Hello, everybody out there. My name's Max. This is Max Sports, of course, bringing you football content Monday through Friday, five days a week. We're going to be recapping the NFL Week 9 matchups this past week. I got a lot of takeaways from it. We're going to take a little bit out of every single matchup, break down who's where in the postseason now, and what I think the future is going to be for some of these teams. I have three teams I'm really worried for after this past week. Let's get this episode started off right. All right, we're going to go through every matchup that took place on Sunday, starting with the Frankfurt games in Germany. Yes, the Dolphins and the Chiefs fought hard against each other. It was a low-scoring match. I, I have noticed some of these Euro games, maybe it's just the jet lag, it's the travel. A lot of these games seem to be a little lower scoring, whether one team just isn't ready for the game or... Maybe it's just both teams are, are kind of slow. I kind of remind myself of that Jacksonville-Atlanta game. That one wasn't a high score. Uh, Atlanta just really struggled to get the ball down the field in that one. A lot of these games have been lower scoring, and so I thought that may have played against the Dolphins a little bit, a team that have relied on a lot of points this year. Chiefs get off to a hotter start, getting up 21-0 in halftime. The Dolphins try and make it a game, score two touchdowns in the third quarter. Fourth quarter comes. They have a chance to still score, maybe take it to overtime. Nope. Tua's not ready for a snap. It's a bad snap. It goes through his hands. He fumbles on fourth down ball game. Tyree Kill was not able to get his revenge game against the Chiefs, and I'll admit, there's two things I, I took away from this game. One, this Chiefs team has a very elite defense. We've been mentioning it all year long. But again, this has been one of the best offenses in the NFL, arguably against the MVP front runner in Tua. They shut them down the entire game. This was a very one-sided match, something that I did not see coming. I thought it was going to maybe be back and forth. It was never the case. Um, when it comes to the Dolphins, I need to see the Dolphins' explosive offense show up when times are getting tough. They have cruised through an, through easy competition in, in style. They just show up against the Patriots and the Chargers and the Broncos and the Giants and the Panthers and the Patriots again. And they just absolutely cruise through them with their high-flying offense. But when they play the Bills and the Eagles and the Chiefs, that offense doesn't show up the same way it's supposed to. Perfect example, those three teams I mentioned, they're only averaging 17 points per game against teams like that. You know, teams with winning records. That offense looks amazing until a team with a winning record comes along and then they start to struggle. That's something I'd keep an eye on if I'm a Dolphins fan or if I'm someone following this team because... This team, again, it looks night and day when they play bad teams versus good teams. And I will admit, they, they are a good team, but I kind of got to put them a tier behind. I don't think they're up there with the Chiefs or the Bengals right now when it comes to elite, can beat anybody on any given day. It doesn't feel like that's the case with Miami right now. They got some soul searching to do. They need to be able to show up against actual competition at times. Obviously, you still need to win the games that are on your schedule, and you can't blame them for beating the teams that aren't as good as them. But you got to beat a team that isn't supposed to you know, lose to you. Kansas City in Germany, that, that's a good neutral game. You're not playing them in Arrowhead. 
you had a chance to get a much needed win and they didn't do so. This is the next one I'm going to be talking about Vikings Falcons. And you know what? Josh Dobbs debut in Minnesota was amazing. Not only was he the backup starting in this game because he had just been traded to the team less than a week ago, but an early injury to Jaron Hall. He got hit hard, knocked out of the game. The Falcons start with a lead because of a safety. So they're up 5-3. They score another touchdown to make it 11-3. Joshua Dobbs comes in for the injured player. And you know what? He looked really solid in his first start with Minnesota. Well, his first play with Minnesota. Obviously, he didn't start the game. He was the leading rusher for the team, and he drove them down the field for a game-winning drive with just seconds to go on the clock. Now, I'll admit, I need to talk about Atlanta real quick. This is my takeaway for the Falcons. Um, They're going to be one of those teams I'm worried about. I highlighted this early in the episode. I had three teams I'm worried about, and I'm going to get number one out of the way right now. They have now lost two straight games to two backup quarterbacks. One of these games at home. Why does Atlanta draft all of these weapons, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and then Bajan Robinson this year, eighth overall, you know, when you could have had a ton of other players. How about Jalen Carter, for example, the guy on the Eagles? That could have been the number one overall pick. You passed him up to pick Bajan Robinson, and he gets fewer rushing yards than Joshua Dobbs, the third-string quarterback for the Vikings. Arthur Smith, I truly believe right now, has this game plan that he'd rather own fantasy people and be like, ha-ha, take that. We didn't even need Bijan Robinson and still win. Like, you've drafted elite weapons with top 10 picks three straight years. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan Robinson. Did any of them lead a single stat yesterday? Nope. They threw it for 100 yards to Janu Smith, the, the second-string tight end. How about Kaderil Hodge, a practice squad player that my Lions when they were 3-13, and 13, still decided to move on from. Like, they, they are just choosing to play with mediocre talent when they've been drafting elite weapons for three straight seasons. Tyler Algier had more carries than Bajan Robinson in this game. Where is Drake London? These things, I, I know it's got to be frustrating because I have a, a friend of mine who is a diehard Falcons fan, and I'm just getting the rant for him. I'm, trying to be as helpful as possible, but I, I don't think I was, but like, he's just, I, I, I say this stuff and he's like, dude, you're preaching to a choir. Everyone's thinking this way. I mean, Tyler Algier having more carries than Bajan Robinson. Taylor Heineke is not a, a starting level quarterback. Yeah. He's probably better than Desmond Ritter, but this team choked the game away. They choked the game away. They really did. And I don't know what to think about it because they have so much more talent. I picked them to win this game. It's a third-string quarterback. I believe that this game right here is the perfect blueprint of why Arthur Smith will be on the hot seat, if not fired, by the end of the season. You don't use the talent you've drafted three straight years. Again, no Bajan. No, there wasn't even a sign of Drake London. I don't even know if he's healthy or not because last week – we didn't even know if, if Bijan Robinson was healthy or not. And then Kyle Pitts, you drafted him fourth overall to give him fewer targets than your backup tight end, Jonu Smith. It, it's, it is 
it, I, I can't even come up for a word for how stupid this is. So, Falcon fans, I feel bad for you. I really don't know what, what the hell they're doing. I'll admit, at least when it comes to the tight end spot, it felt like for the longest time, the Lions always believed that a tight end would fix every single problem. Um, it doesn't, and they we would always draft them very high. Well, you've drafted a tight end for, the high, I think, the highest almost ever in NFL history, fourth overall, and yet you, they don't use him at all correctly. So hopefully for you guys, either the ship corrects course or Arthur Smith is gone. I don't know how you can not use picks that you've drafted three straight years in this game it's a huge disappointing loss if you're an atlanta falcons fan you were four and three and in firm control of the division now you're behind the new orleans saints this is just pathetic honestly in in all aspects um for the vikings congratulations at five and four i honestly truly believe you are set up to get yourselves a wild card spot why do I think that? Well, as of today, you would be in the playoff hunt. Yes, the Minnesota Vikings without Kirk Cousins are in the playoffs if they locked up today. They'd be number seven seed at five and four. Here's the thing. They have a better record than the Commanders. They have the tiebreaker over Atlanta. The only one that they'd have to worry about would be Tampa, and they lost uh, to, to uh, the Texans. So they are actually in pretty good shape. Anyone else that is fighting for a playoff spot are either multiple games behind or the Minnesota has a tiebreaker over. The only ones I'd worry about would be Tampa or Washington. So that's an interesting one right there. Minnesota is in better shape than I think a lot of people may have thought since the Kirk Cousins injury. Let's get back to our little schedule here, though. Um, Cardinals-Browns, this is exactly what you would have thought it happened. Deshaun Watson came back, played an okay game. Uh, Jerome Ford was the, the leading rusher again for the team with 44 yards. I don't think the run game is as good as it was before the Nick Chubb injury, but it's been good enough in order for them to push out wins. A shutout win at home over the Cardinals is exactly what this Browns team needs. They are now 5-3, and three, and kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you just wonder how they've gotten to 5-3, and three, but... It's weird. You see the talent on the team, but you also see how dysfunctional uh, this team can be at their worst. I still like this Browns team more than the Steelers when it comes to talent and execution. Uh, so I do think that this team could steal one of the wild card spots this year. Moving on to Rams and Packers. Now, I picked the Rams to win this one because I thought that Stafford was going to play. I also thought that if Stafford was out, they'd still be able to play well enough. No, without Matthew Stafford, this offense completely disappears. The Packers were able to actually score points in the first half. They scored a touchdown right uh, in the second quarter to make it 7-3 at halftime. And then they cruised with 10 more points in the second half to shut them out. Luke Musgrave, the rookie tight end, caught a touchdown for them. Aaron Jones looks to be back. 20 carries, 73 yards, and a touchdown. And Jordan Love had a cleaner game with zero turnovers. All the things you'd like to see if you're a Packers fan, it's happier in Packerland now. You're at three and five, so I don't know if playoffs are still an expectation or not. I know they have some tough games still on their schedule. I'm looking at at the Steelers next week, then versus the Chargers, then at the Lions on Thanksgiving, then versus the Chiefs. If they could maybe, if they find a way to get like three and one through that section right there, that would put them at what, six and. 
uh, yeah, that'd be put them at six and six. That would get them back in the playoff hunt as the the schedule lightens up a little bit. But they gotta go three and one through this next stretch if they're gonna be talking playoffs at all. Let's talk about the next game here. Um, Commanders at Patriots. I picked the commies to win this one because I thought that they were gonna be able to win um, a close game due to the fact that I liked the talent on the Commanders offense more than I liked anything on the Patriots roster whatsoever. Mac Jones, the relate game interception to seal the win for Washington. Sam Howell looks like he could be the guy moving forward for this commander's team. Another back-to-back week with 300 yards passing through the air. He has been on fire. Uh, As for the Patriots, the New England Patriots have now fallen to the worst record in the AFC. Once the Titans and the unbeatables of the AFC that dominated yearly, the Patriots are now the worst team in the AFC. Yep, you didn't hear that one wrong. And you know what? Yeah, absolutely hate to see it. Um, Again, Bill Belichick, it, I don't know what the case is. I don't know if it's lack of talent. I don't know if it's just lack of execution. I don't know if it's just dated game plans where they – you know, they're trying to play a system that's outdated and understood better by defenses. Truthfully, I don't know, but nothing has been working this year. Not a single part of this season has made me believe that this team is going to turn things around. Speaking of turning things around, though, the New Orleans Saints were able to do that against the Chicago Bears. It wasn't a pretty win, but they got the win um, early for the Saints. They they shut the Bears out in the fourth quarter, got a touchdown to take the lead 24-17 and held on to it. The Bears almost found a way to win this one. I mean, again, a one-score loss despite their backup quarterback throwing three interceptions. Very rarely does a team throw three interceptions like that and have a chance at winning, but the Bears did. A strip sack uh, on Bajan to seal the win. That means it was a four-turnover day for him. Yikes. Again, they need Justin Fields back ASAP, but unfortunately, I think the damage has already been done. Justin Fields would pretty much have to win out for the Bears to have any chance of making the playoffs. They'd have to probably get to nine wins, which means winning out. As for the Saints, they are back in the AFC South lead. Uh, A surpriser for me right there. I was not expecting them to... um, get back into the playoff lead by any means. Uh, They have one of the easiest schedules in all of football. This was addressed at the beginning of the season. I, their toughest games left probably would be hosting the lions, maybe at Vikings. And that's it at Rams. Maybe like that, that is how easy this schedule is. I could see maybe four losses left on the season, which would put them at not even four losses. Sorry probably three losses, which would put them at 10 and seven, which isn't great for how bad that record or that schedule really is. But you know what? You got to play who's in front of you. It's not like they handpicked their schedule and gave the Saints an easier option. Um, The next game, it was the Battle of the Birds. I picked the Ravens to win this one. Thank you, Seahawks. Thank you for being an NFC opponent that looked even worse than the Lions did when we traveled to play the Ravens. 37-3, another game where the Ravens dominate an NFC opponent in their home stadium. Lamar Jackson didn't have the greatest game. Um, He passed for 187 yards. No touchdown, no interception. He was just kind of there. I definitely want to look at the run game. Gus Edwards, I think, has solidified himself as the best running back in this uh, 
kind of running back room that they've established since the J.K. Dobbins injury. Mark Andrews had 80 yards, nine catches. He was probably the number one weapon for this Ravens team. The Seahawks really struggled to get anything going, whether it was turnovers, whether it was punts on desperate drives that needed to result in points. They It was the same thing that the Lions did. Thank God that the Super Bowl is not going to be played in Baltimore because I don't think there'd be a chance that any NFC team could win. Speaking of Baltimore, we need to start talking about this team maybe being the best one in the AFC. Multiple dominant wins back to back to back to back. It has been a very convincing stretch for the Ravens now. On a four-game win streak, their closest game has been against the Arizona Cardinals. And, and even then, they were in firm control of that one the majority of the time. They have a long, tough stretch coming up here versus the Browns, Bengals, and then they're at the Chargers. That three-game stretch could determine if they might be the number one seed in the NFL or if they're just going to be back in the pack with the NFC or, or the AFC North for the division. Right now they have a two-game lead. They got to hold on to it, though, if they're going to be able to, to make a deep run. You don't want to be a wild-card team playing your division rivals on the road. Moving on to our next game, Buccaneers and Texans. Wow, this had to have been game of the week. For those that got a chance to watch this one, it was a special one. Hopefully they call it a classic. 37-39 Texans win with a walk-off touchdown with just seconds to go on the clock. Yeah, seconds. This game was back and forth the entire time. C.J. Stroud, five touchdowns on 470 passing yards. This kid is special special he is so damn good my goodness okay so this game was a nail biter the majority of the time with seconds to go on the clock 46 seconds baker mayfield throws a 14 yard pass to take the lead by three or sorry by four leaving again under a minute no timeouts for the texans to go all the way down the field stroud makes some of the prettiest passes of the season Boom, six seconds left, 15-yard pass to Tank Dell. They score, game over. It was amazing. I, I got to see the highlights of this one. I wish I got to. I wish I was in the stadium to watch this, honestly. It was a special game. We need to talk about C.J. Stroud. He's got to be the, the face of rookie of the year now after a performance like that. That was the best quarterback performance of the season, and it came from C.J. Stroud, a rookie. This Texans team, I'm telling you, is fun to watch. I picked them to win this one. I would love to see Houston sneak into the playoffs as maybe a wild card team. They are really, really fun. As for the Buccaneers, the slope is getting steeper for them, unfortunately. They have now lost four in a row. They could maybe bounce back next week against the Titans. They're going to be playing the Mayo Man, Will Levis. They need to. They really need to get back on track because they have lost several key games to, to fall out of the playoff picture completely. I think they could get a couple wins up here uh, in the next couple weeks. Titans maybe at Colts versus the Panthers. I think they could go 3-1 and one in their next four games. That would get them back into the playoff hunt, obviously. Again, if you can get to 6-6, six and six, you just need to go on a nice little run to end the season with four games to go, and they'll have a chance. But we'll see what happens there. Moving on to the next game, Colts and Panthers. Well, Bryce Young looked really good against the Texans the other week, and then he goes out and throws three interceptions versus the Colts. 
he really struggled in this one. The Colts were in control the majority of this one, getting out to a 20-3 to lead by halftime. They never really had to look back. It was never really a tough situation for them. The Panthers, unfortunately, fall to 1-7. and It's still the worst record in all of football. And remember, that pick is going to the Bears. So no matter how good or how bad the Panthers do, their first-round pick belongs to the Chicago Bears this year. So despite the Bears struggling with injuries, there's a chance that they will be able to draft Caleb Williams or whatever player they would want to draft with the pick that they gave for Bryce Young. It is very crazy what's happening and going on here in Carolina. If you're a Panthers fan, you just need to see some vision because you can't really look at draft boards this year for tanking. You kind of just need to see something happen right now. So I hope something does for you guys, but it's not looking good for you right now. As for the Colts, Four and five. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the hype that came from this team was lost due to the Anthony Richardson injury, unfortunately. I really was hoping that that was going to be something fun and special for us to watch this year, and he even exceeded my expectations early. But, man, it you just feel like you're missing something every time I watch. Like, for me at least, when I watch the Colts, I just feel like I'm missing what could be if Anthony Richardson was here in this game. They're four and five. They're not a great team, but they're not a bad team by any means. Uh, they had a three-game losing streak for a while, but that Panthers one gets them back in the win column. Again, they play the, the uh, Patriots next week in the Germany games. They, they really don't have a difficult schedule for the most part. Their toughest games really left are at Bengals and then versus the Steelers. There's a lot of games I would call 50-50 games where you flip a coin, they could win it, they could lose it. We don't really know. I think they could get to eight wins potentially and depending how good on Minshew how Minshew does they can maybe get to nine you just wonder what would have been the case if they had Anthony Richardson though moving on to our next game the Giants and the Raiders wow you know what the Raiders look like a night and day completely different team uh, since Antonio Pierce took over for the Raiders so we know Josh McDaniels got fired Antonio Pierce comes in as the interim coach from the team and he brings an energy in his press conference. He talks about how the, how they're going to identify as a team. We've seen this page before, Raiders. Your coach gets fired. You have an interim coach that the players love, embrace, and win for. Don't F it up. Don't bring another Josh McDaniels into the building. They did it with Rich Passaccia, a guy who, yes, was not perfect, but turned this team around and got them to the playoffs two years ago, and then they brought in Josh McDaniels to absolutely sink the ship. Aiden O'Connell looks okay. Whether he ends up becoming the starter next year or not, we don't really know. It's up to them. I mean, he's got the size of being a NFL quarterback, I guess this is kind of his flyer year. It's kind of his chance to figure out if he's going to be the case. Yes, you beat the Giants without um, a lot of players on their team. I mean, they sold off uh, Leonard Floyd. We have to also talk about Daniel Jones missing the majority of this game. There's a lot of injuries to this Giants team, but you know what? You did what good teams do versus bad teams, and you absolutely kicked their ass. It was not close by any means. And you know what? Vegas, despite all of the stupidity that's happened this year, you are second place in the AFC West. And let's take a peek at these playoff standings right now. As of right now, Vegas, you got a lot of room to go. You're number 12 right now. You got to jump five other teams. But you know what? I'd argue that you look better than the Colts after your your previous game. You don't have a difficult schedule left on uh, so far on the season. You got a lot of your toughest matchups 
uh, out of the way. You still play the Jets. You still play the Vikings team with a backup. You play the Chargers. That should be a winnable game. Colts and Broncos. You just got to worry about your doubleheader against the Chiefs and at Dolphins. So you do that. You, you win the games you should. You could maybe go 9-8. and eight. Who knows? So keep an eye on the Raiders. I think that they'll probably be a team around 500 this year. Let's get back to our schedule, though. Um, for the Giants, real quick, I want to talk about the G-Men because that was another team on this list that I am absolutely worried about. Daniel Jones might be out for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, what is the future of this team? At least with, with teams like Arizona, like the Cardinals, you know that they're not going to be good because they aren't even trying to win games. This was a team that went to the playoffs last year. They won a playoff game. They bring all of this talent back. They re-sign their quarterback. They think they might have a franchise guy. And Daniel Jones just can't stay healthy. He can't be protected. When he is protected, he's making mistakes. It's easy to rip on a quarterback for errors when they're the highest paid guy on the team. Yes, Daniel Jones got paid a lot of money by the Giants. You want to know something, though? They gave a really good contract to him because they can opt out of it after two seasons. So even if he played amazing or played terrible, the Giants have an opportunity to opt out after next year and still draft the guy and maybe play Jones to develop him and build some pieces around him. It's not the end of the world where it comes to this team, but the only problem is there are so many pillars to this team, whether it was Brian Dayball, whether it was Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. You had these pillars to this team that built a structure that got them to the playoffs last year, and it feels like that structure is completely gone. One of the worst offenses in all of football. I mean, six points versus the Raiders, a team that was just embarrassed by the Lions a couple weeks ago. The Giants have to be one of the worst teams in all of football right now, and especially if Daniel Jones is out for the long term, we're going to be seeing more Tommy DeVito moving forward. And uh, no, that's not going to be good. It's going to be an ugly sight to see. It doesn't get any easier for this Giants team as well. Looking forward into their schedule, they still have to play the Cowboys, the Eagles twice, the Packers. It's not getting any easier for this team, and it's it, it's sad to see how far they've fallen. Um, I told you, and I, I, I will take credit for it, I told a lot of people at the beginning of the year, worry about this team a little bit. I knew, I didn't think it was going to be this bad, though. I thought they'd maybe be like 4-5 and five or like 3-6 and six or something like that. I didn't realize that they were going to be this bad, partially due to injuries. But yeah, this Giants team is looking really, really rough. Let's move on to our next game, though. We got to talk about the Eagles-Cowboys. The Cowboys did it again with a chance to really get a prove-it win, a win that shuts everybody up. They lose on the road to the Eagles. They copied the Tennessee Titans in the Super Bowl. They said, let's throw it one yard short of the end zone because, you know, as the clock's expiring, by the way, let's throw it a yard short. Let's not throw it in the end zone. Let's throw it one yard short. Let's make it a little more exciting. Well, they got burned for it. Dak Prescott honestly didn't have that bad of a game. The only thing that, that hurt them came to late game errors. A late sack forced him to have to throw a more difficult pass where he needed to throw that ball away. You take that sack, clock keeps running, now you're kind of frantic, and you have the finish you did. You honestly had a chance to win this one. The Eagles almost gifted you the win, and yet you still couldn't do it. The Cowboys now fall to 5-3. and three. 
they could have been like the number one team kind of fighting in the standings right now for a wild card spot. That would have put them at the fifth seed. Instead, I believe now they fall to the sixth seed. Let's take a quick peek of it. Yep, Seattle passes them now. So because the Cowboys have lost conference games, not only are they 0-3 on the road, but they're 0-3 in conference games. That's killing them against teams like Seattle, and it will kill them against Minnesota. If the Cowboys lose another game and the Vikings win another one, they'll fall to the seventh seed, and they'll have a tiebreaker behind them. So Cowboys, you got to start turning things around. Hopefully you got some bad teams on your schedule you can beat up a little bit and get back into your win, uh, get back in the win column. And then finally, we got to talk about Bills and Bengals. I have some takeaways for both of these teams in my little notepad right here. To start things off, a team that I am worried about would be the Buffalo Bills. Behind the Jets and the Bengals for a wild card spot, yeah, they are now behind the Jets. If, if they win tonight, the Bills are going to absolutely topple down. I mean, it is is crazy to see how far they have fallen in the playoff standings. If they were today, the Bills would be outside looking in as the nine seed. Yikes. If you are a Bills fan, what you are praying for is chaos in the AFC North where every division rival pretty much splits with themselves or conveniently loses whenever you need one of them to lose. So you need Pittsburgh or Cleveland to fall apart um, or Cincinnati, preferably Uh, for the jets. They already got your number this year. So if they again, win tonight, they are ahead of you in the standings. You are the nine seed only ahead of the Texans, Colts and Raiders right now, like with other teams fighting for wildcard spots. This team needs to get their ish together now. Now, their next game versus the Broncos. Then they host the Jets. Then it's at Eagles, at Chiefs, versus Cowboys, at Chargers. A four-game stretch where they could lose three of those games if they're not careful. That would put them at 10-7 and seven if they won out but lost those three. So, there is still a chance here. But that was a game that they could not afford to lose, and they managed to lose it last night. Not a good look for this team. So there was your recap. Those were the teams I'm worried about. Those are the teams I thought did good. What do you think about those? If you have any opinions on the season so far, share with me on my Facebook page. That's where I'm most active. Well, thank you all for listening. My name is Max. This has been Max Sports. I will see you tomorrow.